0: calling all new and emerging content creators in BC and Alberta. Applications for Tellus Story Hive are now open until February 28, 2023. Story Hive is celebrating their 10th anniversary with the Story Hive Anniversary Documentary Edition and is funding 80 short documentaries on any local story you are passionate about. You could receive $20,000 in production funding, training, and mentorship with distribution on TELUS Optic TV and Stream Plus. To learn more and apply, head to storyhive.com or head to the link in today's show notes. Hi. I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong, but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman podcast. Today, you'll meet Allie Carveo. Allie is a stay-at-home mom, first-generation rancher, entrepreneur, an equine gestaltist. She pursued her lifelong love of animals by getting her veterinary technology degree in 2012. During that time, she was building a family and a ranch with her future husband. Currently, Allie and her family are enjoying the slow life of central Montana while enjoying a life they have always dreamed of. She has opened up a retreat center and an equine gestalt coaching business where she and her horses help others walk through deep disappointment, life transitions, trauma, and healing. I had the pleasure of meeting Allie at the Strong Her Together conference in Fort Benton, Montana in 2022. And I am so happy that she agreed to come on and share her story and the work that she is doing using horses to help heal the people in her local community. And if you are listening and are a part of a planning committee or looking to start a conference or any of the things for 2023, my booking calendar for speaking and emceeing and hosting and all of the things is open. So if you have an event coming up that you would like me and the Rural Woman podcast to be a part of, you can reach out to me at hello at wildrosefarmer.com and I would love to chat about your upcoming event and how I can be a part of it. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Allie. Allie, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? I'm so
1: good, Caitlin. Thank you for asking.
0: I am very excited to chat with you again. I feel like I'm talking to an (laughs) old friend that I met at the Stronger Together conference in Fort Benton, Montana in 2022. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a fun conference and it was,
0: it was. nice to, it was done. to get
1: to meet you.
0: Well, likewise. It's always nice to yeah. meet people and I always feel like it's such an honor to be able to meet people and say, hey, weird question, can I interview you on my podcast? And then they say yes. So. <laughs> Has anybody ever turned you down? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Really? I get shot down a lot. Yep. <laughs> it's all part of the gig. So. For the listeners who are unfamiliar with you, Allie, tell us who you are and how you got your start in agriculture.
1: So my name is Allie Carveo, and currently I live in Coffee Creek, Montana. Got my start in agriculture. I mean, I was raised in it, raised in a rural town in Northern California on the Oregon border. And agriculture there was logging. So that's what my family all grew up doing was logging and doing things in that aspect, in that avenue of the world. And then I left and fell in love with a man in Colorado. And we actually ended up moving to the middle of nowhere in Colorado in a little tiny trailer that we lived in for four years without electricity or running water. So we could build our dream of having our own ranch and raising our own food and being able to raise our kids on this piece of property. So yeah, <laughs> I hold water 70 miles once a week, every week for four years and raised a baby in that space. And I ended up going to school and finishing my school for veterinary technology degree. So was a licensed vet tech. And had a deep, deep love of animals. I originally wanted to go to vet school. And because we started our family early, I didn't do that. I fell in love with being a stay-at-home mom and raising chickens and figuring out what it was like to have chickens and turkeys and pigs and cows (laughs) and all the little things that I could possibly get to have animals around me and to create a space where I could grow my own food for my family and then move toward growing food for families around us. And that's where I got my start in agriculture.
0: That story, the fact that you lived in the middle of nowhere with basically no necessities or essential services for four years. I don't know if many people could last four months, let alone four years. Obviously, you were determined to get into ranching and start this lifestyle that you dreamed of. So walk us through the journey of how you ended up in your ranch in Coffee Creek, Montana.
1: So, gosh, after we got the house put in, we had another baby. I was raising two babies and a farm full of animals and realizing our dream was to really go into the direct-to-consumer beef business. We also were doing direct-to-consumer Work at that time, so was doing all of that, and we ran out of space. To be quite honest, the city started pushing out further and further towards us, and we couldn't afford to purchase land around us. All the land was getting pretty scarce, and we were trying to grow our herd and grow our farm, and it just wasn't something that we saw ourselves staying in that space for the rest of our lives because of the fact that. COVID hit, our lives didn't change a whole lot. We were still at home recognizing that we loved being at home and we loved being in that space of being able to raise our own animals and food and kids and have that kind of a bubble around us almost, right? Our things didn't change. One thing that did change for the better was that I could You know, drive to the grocery store and they put groceries in my car. That was the best thing on the planet. Most of your like rural listeners know how hard it is to go into town and then to go into the stores and have to do all of that kind of stuff. But to be able to drive in and have people put stuff in your car was the best thing on the planet for me. My husband and I sat there one day. We went to a wedding. Gosh, it was during COVID. We went to a wedding and we were in Wyoming. And we looked around at our people who were all from Montana and Wyoming. And we were just looking at our people and saying, this is where our heart truly is, is in this area somewhere. And we were looking for it, trying to figure out where we wanted to go. And didn't tell anybody. It was a surprise to pretty much everybody on the planet. <laughs> it was like really was a small kept secret that we were even looking to start a life somewhere else. And we ended up finding a place in central Montana, that we really loved and fell in love with, and thought that was going to be the place that we were going to spend the rest of our lives That went through the process of selling our house, moving into a rental place up there by our by where we were going to live. Had our animals and all of our stuff at the place, and then rented a one bedroom little house in town there, and right across from the school. It's really fun for the kids, but That was about when the market really took off in Montana and our contract ran out and the lady decided she was going to go in another direction and we were devastated. We had worked and thrown everything we had known into this space of we took a huge risk, right? This was a giant risk for us and we faced losing absolutely everything we had worked hard for. I mean, we spent 15 plus years working towards get into a space of where we could possibly run a ranch and have enough beef income and grow this direct-to-market consumer business and really didn't know what the next steps were. We both looked at each other and I had a lot of tears about it, right? And my husband looked at me and we looked at each other and said, we're going to figure it out and we'll be where we're supposed to be. We found this beautiful little place in Coffee Creek, Montana. And it was such a cool spot to be that we walked into this place. It was smaller than what we thought we were gonna end up with. The house was smaller, the property was smaller, everything was smaller about it. But there was such a serenity around it when we walked into it and into this view. I wish (laughs) Caitlin, I would have to send you a picture of the view out my back door because it's incredible. And I stood, I remember standing out on a point over here and it overlooks like this little coulee with some water in it and overlooks this beautiful vista of Square Butte and the Highwood Mountains. And I stood there and I thought, this is, this is the spot. This is where we're supposed to be. And from there, it wasn't an easy go either. We spent months trying to get the property closed and We ended up moving back into our trailer roots, (laughs) sent the kids back to, to Colorado to Hector's parents, and then he and I moved into our living quarters horse trailer, which if anybody's seen them, it's tiny, tiny little space. So he and I moved into that for over a month while we waited for the housing to close, like all the escrow and all that stuff to close. We got really lucky with the neighbors we have, and we got the pasture to lease for all of our animals, and it really all did fall into place nicely even though it was hard in the moment right so we ended up here and people always ask how did you end up in coffee creek montana nobody
0: knows where that is i said well
1: i'm not real sure but we love it and we're so glad that we
0: did that story i have to commend you because there are a lot of people in this life that would not be willing to take those risks and Because they're big and they're scary. Like you said, 15 years of growing your family and growing this dream that you both had to one day for it to be, you know, taken away and figuring out what to do next. And I commend you for taking those risks because they're big and they're scary and they're hairy. And now you have this beautiful ranch in Coffee Creek, Montana, which... Coffee Creek, Montana, to me, sounds like an oasis. I envision <laughs> lattes coming down the stream, but. Uh, <laughs> I wish.
1: We need to start a Coffee Creek coffee company. Wouldn't that be perfect? <laughs> hey,
0: I, uh, I will be your number one customer for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you moved to your new property and you started a business from your property Ali, tell me about the training and the program that you went through that led you to starting your own business.
1: Yeah, I went through the program that's called Touch by a Horse, and it's a certification program that Melissa Pierce does, and it's based out of Colorado. We do really intensive trainings over Zoom and in person, and really take the deep dive into gestalt work and helping people feel their past hurts or their past traumas and move forward in that way. I found the program because amongst all of that raising of animals and kids and things, I was looking for a way to help bring my husband home a little bit more because he was a diesel mechanic or he still is. And that's where he was spending his time was working gosh huge long days out in the field and we wouldn't see him for ever like my kids hardly knew who he was when they were growing up because he was working some long hours so I was looking for something that I could do with the horses because all of a sudden we ended up with a whole lot of horses that we had to feed (laughs) and I always giggle because people say well that's you know usually the wife's fault but half of those horses were the husband's fault so we both have that love there. I had a whole lot of mouths to feed and horses to feed. And I wanted to be able to work at home and work from our place and not have to go to a nine to five job where I was going to have to stop being that stay at home mom and be an employee. That was so important to me as I was raising kids. And I always say it was kind of like my angels that led me to the program. I don't even know what Google search I did or if I did a Google search, but it popped up somehow on my computer don't remember the full way of, ha- of how it happened and there's a certification program that popped up and turns out it was just right down the road for me and I'd never heard of it so I dove into podcasts and books and all the things that I could to learn about this program and I knew it was something that I needed to go through so yeah it was two years of really intense personal development in a way, right? I walked into it not knowing my want to help people with horses was going to actually help me in turn, right? I always say hurt people like to help heal people. That's something that's very common in that industry. And gosh, it was such an interesting life change for me to go through that program. And I'm so glad that I did. I'm actually starting another... It was a two year program, and I'm starting another two years of it, so I'm getting an even more deep dive back into it. so it's what else to say about it, other than it's incredible,
0: yeah, it sounds incredible, and from what I was reading about it, it just seems the way that you that you spoke hurt people want to help heal people. I think when I think of the people, the helpers of the world, it's unfortunate that They've had to go through hurt themselves in order to have the skills to know intuitively what to do along with their training to help others. So, for the listeners who are unfamiliar with EGC, tell us more about what it actually is.
1: Yeah. So, EGC stands for Equine Gestalt Coaching. And that takes into account that we partner with horses. We don't. Quote unquote, use horses for our, our work. We partner with horses. Horses have such an innate ability to feel what somebody is feeling in the moment. They're very gestalt. They're very present. So gestalt really truly means to be present or to be flowing into form or flowing into wholeness. And horses live in a way that helps us learn or shows us how to be truly present. They're not going to connect with you or me if we're sitting there in the round pen or out in the pasture thinking about the list of 20 million things that we have to get done today. They're going to connect with you or me when we're fully present in that moment and we're feeling the ground beneath our feet and we're being authentic to who we are and what we're feeling emotionally in that present moment. So the Gestalt coaching is really truly a way for people and horses to come together and to connect. It sounds so almost like (laughs) I kind of giggle because in this space of, of agriculture, we're not so good at talking about like our feelings or emotions or energy fields. I'm going to throw a whammer out there, right? Energy fields. That's something that's true. People feel those horses, feel those. We're not great about talking about those things. But in this moment out there with your horse, if you have a horse or a cow, they know your intention. They know what you're going through. They know if you're angry. They know if you're sad. Even your dogs know that, right? And that's that's based off of not speaking, right? That's our body language. That's our energy fields that we're feeling and tuning into... Caitlin, this question is always so hard for me because of the fact that there's so much that goes into it. But really, truly, it is like if you were to sit there and think about if anybody's ever said to you or to somebody else, you've noticed like you're incredibly reactionary over a certain statement, right? Instead of being able to react to that statement or let's say, for example, if I somebody came up to me and said, well... You're just real slow at that. And I had a really huge overreaction to that, right? To that statement. It's not because of the fact that I'm overreacting to what that person said. It's I'm overreacting to something that happened to me in my past, right? So somebody maybe when I was a kid, this is just for example, right? Maybe when I was a kid, somebody had told me I was really slow and that that put a lot of shame or that put a lot of guilt into my personal being, So what the horses and I do is we go through and we look at those moments of where are you overreacting in your life? That's what the foreground is, right? In Gestalt, it's called foreground and background. And so the foreground is maybe when you called me to set up an appointment, you had something specific that was coming up for you. But in reality, when you sit down in my round pen with me and the horse, We dig down deep into that and it turns out it's something in the background that was really truly what your problem was or what you were overreacting to. And the horses are such good, almost like not really lie detectors, but they're really good feedback givers. So they know if you're being true to yourself. Right. So they're not gonna be like, oh, she was lying about that, right? <laughs> it's more like she's not really truly speaking her truth in that moment. So they're they're my partners in the fact that they help me discover what it is that is holding you back, or what it is that's keeping you stuck, or what traumas your experience that you've been through, like grief. Gosh, there's so much stuff that goes into gestalt and I could probably talk for hours on it.
0: (laughs) And I could listen to you talk for hours on it because to me, uh, you know, you mentioned something about how we in agriculture are sometimes not really great at using the feeling words and expressing those emotions in a positive way and in a way that can be healing. And the way that you are speaking about how Our animals interact with us, whether that is the tiniest little creature all the way up to the biggest bull you've ever seen. They pick up on your energy and you have found a way and through your training and through your experiences, you know, you found a way that this can actually be a healing thing for us. And, you know, we're not good at talking about these things, but we have to get better In order to heal ourselves, because it's so unfortunate that even to this day in 2023, that I see the comments, I see the social media posts, or I see the news reports or whatever it is about the mental health crisis in agriculture and how people are choosing to show up or not show up about it. And we need to do better. More on that in a bit. But I want to find out more for you personally. How How did this love of horses come into your life? Where did the love of horses come from?
1: Oh, gosh. I feel myself starting to cry already. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I to let those tears fall for a second. It's a So, Oh, goodness. <laughs> My... Grandpa actually is the one who instilled that love of horses for me. He was the main man in our lives, and he would take us packing in the mountains of Northern California into the wilderness for days and days on end in the summertime, and it was where I felt the most alive and where I loved to be, and I spent, as my tears come, I spent my hard years of adolescence with my horses, when things were hard, there was that love of horses don't judge me for crying. They don't tell me to toughen up. They don't, they just allow, they allow me to be who I am. They don't take anything for granted, right? They, they love you and show you unconditional love. And I came from a background of drugs and alcohol in my family. Um Suicide. This is all my dad, right? Not my mom. My mom worked her ass off for all of us kids and my grandpa and my grandma and a lot of family members. I had a lot of family around us, but there's still that little part that when something would go wrong, I would head out to the pasture and I would go lay with my horse, who was a baby at the time. And I still have her in my pasture here now. I've had her for years and years. So, gosh being able to go out there and cry and feel supported and loved. And I'd head out there when I wanted to fight and I'd head out there when I wanted love. And (laughs) she showed up in each moment and whatever I needed. And uh, that's where my love of horses came from with my grandpa. And just knowing that they really don't judge us.
0: Yeah. That was well done. You held it together really well. (laughs) We're all all misty over here. It's all (laughs) good. (laughs) you can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural woman podcast on patreon what is patreon it's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love New to The Rural Woman Podcast Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash The Rural Woman Podcast. Talk to us about the services that you provide on your ranch at Restorative Strides, what what are you able to provide your community?
1: Yeah. So I walked into this having an idea of what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. <laughs> and the universe tends to focus in on those things you think you don't want to do. And I originally said, I don't want to work with grief and I don't want to work with kids. And that's what I've had a lot of lately is a lot of grief because Agricultural communities, man, we have a lot of grief that hits us. Our lifestyle is hard. It could be from losing crops, it can be from losing people to accidents. There's so many things that happen. And grief to me was something that I hadn't really processed in my own self at the beginning. And now I've come through a place of where I'm comfortable working with grief again. And kids, kids, I love kids so much. And at the same time, they just are a little bit harder than adults when it comes to doing this type of work. And the challenging part of that really is helping me to become a better coach and a better gestaltist, actually. And I love my Fridays. I get to see kids on Fridays and I leave those days feeling so uplifted and so Yeah, uplifted. And so really looking forward to the future of what these kids are going to be like in the future because they're taking the time to really dig into what their emotions are and what they can learn from the horses and learn from themselves. And that to me is incredibly beautiful. I originally set out to work with women who were moms, who were stay-at-home moms, who maybe had gone through some traumas in their life. And I still love that. Part of it, I really do, but as moms, we're more apt to send our kids to get help than we are ourselves. And also as moms, we need to do better because we need to show our kids where, what it looks like to be healthy and healthy doesn't necessarily mean body, right? It can be mod- body and emotionally and mentally healthy. That's important for those kids to see. So I do one on one sessions with kids and adults. I. Uh, work with a lot of different avenues of grief. You know, there's so many things that can go into this. The trauma of any kind, you know, we're very trauma-informed here. I offer retreats. I'm really excited for this this year's retreats that I'm putting out there because they're a little bit more focused and in-depth than what I had scheduled for last year. So I'm doing a motherhood retreat. I'm doing a finding your identity type of retreat, like for those people that aren't really sure who they are. I'm um, also putting this one out there. I'm doing a retreat for women who have been sexually abused or ex- or experienced sexual traumas. That's one that I find my heart space in that type of work too. And I think that's actually all the retreats I have on the schedule. <laughs> so, and then I also offer workshops and over the phone coaching and zoom like gestalt sessions it just would be without the horses and you know you can check out all of that on my website i have a whole events page that's continually the beginning of january right now so i'm still working on getting all of those events up there but got a lot in the works for this year
0: that is a lot and i'm going to make sure to link Everything in the show notes. So if people are more interested with working with you one on one or attending one of your retreats, that they have that information and are able to connect with you, Allie, what are your hopes for the future when it comes to mental health and agriculture?
1: Gosh, so many things. One of my biggest hopes is that people are able to open up about it. You know, to say I'm struggling today and I need some help, and that's okay. Without the judgment. That's, that's the biggest thing for me is the without judgment for people to show up there in that space and not judge it and to be there. Even if they don't know how to be there in that moment, I think it's just the most important thing is, is to be there and be present and to really truly be present, not thinking about, gosh, what do I say or what do I not say? Right. Being able to say, I need your help. Or I need to call somebody or can I help you today? Those are big things for me. Another thing for that would be, yeah, the judgment. It's just all going right back to judgment. I think we all put too many expectations or ideas into our own heads of how is it going to look if I go seek help for this mental aspect that I am struggling with. And it's truly... A brave thing to be able to say, I'm struggling or I'm crying today because of this. I am personally a woman who is incredibly strong. And, you know, <laughs> I've lived in my trailer for four years and I really prided myself on not showing emotion and not showing how hard it was or not showing the different aspects of what was tough in my life. And I really think that that dampened a lot of my experiences. And so for the future of of agriculture and mental health, I really hope that people allow themselves to feel the heavy and to feel the sad so that they can feel the happy and feel the joyful parts too in a much broader range.
0: Yeah, that is so well said. And, you know, when there is one extreme, there could be another There could be that joy. There could be the overwhelming sense of pride and all of these things. And like you said, the judgment that is wrapped up in a lot of things can be paralyzing for a lot of people. And I think for the folks who are are concerned at being on the receiving end of somebody else's grief or their trauma or whatever it is that they're going through, I promise you by asking somebody how they're doing or how you can help them and just being there to listen, you don't need to know what to say because you're not a professional. You are not an expert. You are just a listening ear. If you have the resources to give them, give it to them. But I know from my own personal experience with My mental wellness, just having somebody there to just hear it. I'm not looking for a fix. I'm not looking for the next great whatever it is that's going to fix my life. Although, if you have it, please give it to me. I'm just, I just need somebody to listen. And I tell you what, to be on the receiving end, to hear somebody share their story with me or to share what it is that they're going through. It's such a gift for me because I feel like I am trusted. I am respected by that person that they know that they can come to me with what it is that they're going through and I'm not going to judge them. I'm just going to listen. And like I said, I don't have the end all and be all to fix things, but I think I've become a pretty good listener over the years. (laughs) I agree you have that's the biggest thing and I'm
1: glad you pointed that out you know just being able there to listen to be there to listen and and not have the answers because truly we don't have the answers for other people we don't that's that's for them to find in themselves and having a, a safe space to talk through things is really what's important and to get them the extra help you know you're not sure how to help them, reach out to other people who might look for those resources. There's so many resources out there for people who are struggling that don't be, don't be afraid to do that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned, you know, being a strong woman or a strong person and, you know, just pushing through and all of the things. I think what, you know, when we say things are sexy now, like, I think asking for help is sexy. So let's be sexy in 2023 and ask for help. (laughs) For sure. That could be our new slogan.
1: That could be your new slogan. (laughs) Ask for help. It's real sexy. It's really
0: sexy. (laughs) Coming to a t-shirt near you soon. So (laughs) (laughs) Allie, I want to jump into our rapid fire segment here. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. Are you sure? Uh, I don't know, (laughs) but yeah. (laughs) I always let my guests know that there's nothing that will stump them, but I warned Allie before we started that I do have a true or false question here. And if she gets it wrong, I'm not going to judge her because I didn't know either before I Googled it. So (laughs) today's rapid fire segment is brought to you by Farm Credit Canada's Women's Entrepreneur Summit happening on March 8th in Guelph, Ontario. Get ready to empower the leader in you. Gain insights to boost your leadership skills, strategies to build wealth, and connect and focus on personal and professional growth. I will be hosting this amazing event in Guelph, Ontario. So if you are in the area, please come to the in-person event. And if you are not able to be there in person, join us virtually from anywhere in Canada. Get the full details at fcc.ca slash events or head to the link in today's show notes. First of all, let's start off with something fun. Tell us about a favorite memory you have with a horse. Ooh, gosh. Oh, there's so
1: many. One that keeps popping back into my head is those moments of freedom in the mountains uh, in Northern California. and riding up these huge steep embankments with my little mare that I still have today. And then I'm going to flip that back around. And when I had kids and putting my kids on that same horse, that was a pretty special moment for me. I loved that.
0: Awesome. That's so good. And a great memory for them moving forward. All right. Name something on your ranch or in your business that you simply could not live without. And it can be anything. Immediately, I'm
1: looking at my computer with my iPad and the little Apple Pencil right here and my stinking Airphone things in my ears. And I'm like, man, I do so much on that stuff. So without my technology, I think that that helps my business move forward. And at the same time, Gosh, we need a skid steer. (laughs) And we have it, right? And I don't want to live without it because that thing is the most handy thing on the planet. And I love that.
0: Knock (laughs) on wood. And I hear you know a guy that can work on it uh, if if need be. So that's great. Okay. This is the last question. And it's true or false. Are bananas poisonous to horses?
1: Oh, I don't know that one. I'm going to go
0: with true. Go with false. Go with oh, false.
1: dang it! <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. That's funny. That's an interesting question. I've never had. Well, that now thing. I'm going to tell you something you didn't know. <laughs> Bananas are an excellent source of potassium and can be enjoyed with the peel on or the peel
1: oh, off. Yes. Interesting. There you go.
0: I have a horse that likes peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> well, I like that horse already. Peanut butter, add a banana in and it makes it even uh-huh, better <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, uh my goats, the farm that they came from, the man that I uh purchased these little bottle beauties from when they were little and tiny and cute, uh, he let me know that bananas were their favorite snack or that herd's favorite snack. So kitty and babs get bananas every once in a while when they go a little little brown on the counter. So <laughs> Aww, my cows really like pumpkins. There you go. See, all the good things. So, (laughs) well, thank you for participating. And uh, yes, now, you know, now we all know. (laughs) (laughs) Allie, my last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? Gosh.
1: Oh, man. You know, I am a major introvert. (laughs) And the most rewarding part for me is to be able to be here and not feel like my introverted self is being pushed in upon, if that makes any sense to to listeners. I love being able to be here without having people around me or seeing people around me. And another thing I really love about it is the community. I have to say that we moved into one of the best communities on the planet and being a rural woman in this community is incredible. I love learning and watching and getting to be a part of the community and, and having these people around me to, to truly take us in and love us, even though we're super far away from our family. And we, we have created a new family in this space. And I love that about the rural,
0: rural people is that we all
1: tend to do that. We take, take in our new people or take in people and love them really well. Yeah.
0: I love what you said and how opposite they are of one another. I am an introvert, but I really love my community, and I cannot (laughs) relate to that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, and this is a testament to you and your community and the Stronger Together conference, I think I boast about it most times. Stacey Bronick, who has been on the podcast before, invited me to speak at this conference and I was so honored. I was so excited for her because this was her first time hosting a conference and I've told her, I don't know how many times, and I don't know if she thinks I'm blowing smoke up her butt, but I think that was probably one of the best women in agriculture conferences that I have ever been to and I've been to a lot. And I really hope Stacy is listening to this and does another one and that I can come back because it was honestly, your community of women there is probably one of the most engaged rural communities of women that I have ever had the pleasure of being in a room with. So that is my boasting of the Strong Her Together conference yeah. again.
1: <laughs> yeah, they did an incredible job and you're so right. That community is so tight and it's such a great place.
0: I really loved their conference. Absolutely. Well. I hope to see you back there again so we can we can have another good hug and uh, another quick check-in. So, Allie, for those that would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online?
1: Yeah, so I have a website. It's restorativestrides.com. Um, you can find out a lot of information on there and get in touch with me. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and sort of TikTok. <laughs> These new all these new social medias, right? And it's all at restorative strides. You can find me on all of those at that same handle.
0: Perfect. And I will link all of those in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Thank you. Ali, thank you so much for coming on here today and sharing your story with us. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to The Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to The Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story.